Good morning and welcome to the online service of the New York City Church of Christ. First off, I want to say congratulations to our sister in Christ, Sydney McLaughlin. She won a gold medal Wednesday morning in Tokyo in the 400 meter hurdles and set a new world record in the process. Sydney, congratulations again. Hope you have been edified and called higher spiritually with our new summer series titled Summer Stories. This morning, I will be talking to us about the story of miracles. I've asked one of our sisters in the Brooklyn Edge Singles Ministry to share her miracle story. Her name is Kendi Majekodumi. Kendi and Taiwo Majekodumi are both singles in our Brooklyn Edge Ministry. Here's Kendi sharing her miracle story. Let's listen. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kende Majekodumi, and I am part of the Brooklyn region of the New York City Church of Christ. When I was 11, I was diagnosed with lupus. Lupus is an autoimmune inflammatory disease that causes the body to attack its own tissues. A couple of months after being diagnosed, I was placed on dialysis because lupus attacked my kidneys. Dialysis helps filter toxins out of the blood when the kidneys can no longer function properly. Although the treatment itself is not painful, it does take a toll on one's body, causing extreme fatigue, muscle cramps, and temporary sicknesses like dizziness and vomiting. I went for dialysis treatment three times a week and each treatment lasted four hours. It was challenging as a child going for dialysis for two years while still going to school. At the age of 13, I had a kidney transplant. I was so happy to be able to live somewhat of a normal life finally. In 2014, I was baptized in the Brooklyn ministry during my summer break from Syracuse University. It was the best decision I ever made and still is. My twin sister, Taiwo, was also baptized a couple of months before I was. In 2016, after almost 10 years, my transplanted kidney failed and I was placed back on dialysis. I became despondent. My biggest fear became a reality and I remember feeling hopeless. I started to pray to God that he would heal me, but he didn't. There were times I felt it was all my fault. I blamed myself constantly started and started to believe I wasn't good enough for God's miracles. When I first got my kidney transplant, I spent only three to six months on the transplant list because children below 18 were given priority. For adults, the wait time on the transplant list for a new kidney can be at least 10 or more years, depending on your blood type. The second time around, dialysis was much harder. And I was working, I was, I was older, I was working full time and pursuing my master's degree. At times it was difficult to be content with where my life was because I felt as though I was missing out on so much. I remember crying to God to take this burden away from me many times. At the beginning of 2019, my twin sister Taiwan and I decided to make an impossible prayer list. One of my prayers was to receive a kidney transplant by the end of the year. To be honest, this was the prayer I had the least faith in. 
My sister and I prayed and fasted continuously throughout the year. After completing all medical tests needed to be transferred to the NYU kidney list, I received a text message from Jasmine Campbell, a sister in the church, asking if I would be interested in receiving a kidney from a potential donor whose family were disciples in the church. I told Jasmine, yes, I was interested. I didn't dwell too much on my response to Jasmine. Later that night, I received another text from Kristen Uze, another sister in the church, telling me to give all the information needed to see if I could be a match. I gave the info again, thinking chances were slim. The next morning, I got a call, phone call from NYU saying that they had a kidney for me and that I should come to the hospital right away. It turned out I was a perfect match with the young girl's family who was donating her organs. I got my kidney transplant the next day and I have been living with it ever since. God proved to me that day that there is nothing impossible that he cannot do. Out of all of my prayers, this was the one, the only one God answered that year. Eventually, at the beginning of this year, God did answer two other impossible prayers on my list. Now, I don't consider the list to be impossible prayers, but I'm possible prayers. As my sister Marcy always says, God showed me that there's nothing, nothing he cannot do. This entire ordeal has increased my faith in God. And I'm continuously amazed by his love and mercy. This is my miracle story, brothers and sisters. I urge you continue to continue to pray and trust God. I am living proof that God still does miracles. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Kaide. Your story inspires me. I'm sure all of us have stories about what God has done in our lives that we can share with other people. We give glory and honor to God for Kaide's second kidney transplant. Like she shared, she and her twin sister started praying for a miracle and God answered their prayers quickly. When I was asked to speak about God's miracles in 25 minutes, I gotta be honest with you, I felt, wow, this is a tall order. There are 83 miracles mentioned in the Old Testament and another 80 miracles in the New Testament. It's going to take a miracle for me to talk about all this stuff in 25 minutes. So I'm not going to attempt to do that. Instead, I will pick just one story. In Tot's Law, there is something called the doctrine of res ipsa loquitur. The phrase simply means the thing speaks for itself. It's basically proving your case through circumstantial evidence. Brothers and sisters, the miracles in the Bible speak for themselves. The miracles teach us about the mighty God that we serve. The miracles show us that nothing is impossible with the God that we serve. Get a load of some of these headlines. God speaks the universe into existence. That's the creation story found in Genesis chapter 1. Daniel removed from the dinner menu of lions. That's Daniel chapter 6. Who is the true God? The prophet Elijah calls down fire from heaven on Mount Carmel. That's 1 Kings chapter 18. Betrothed teenage girl to have God's son. Luke chapter 1. 5,000 fed on a hillside where no one did the cooking and no one did the baking. 
We find that story in all four Gospels. I want you to notice something. God doesn't need to go to Home Depot or to go to Lowe's or to go to some hardware store to buy materials to create things. That's why he's called the creator. He's the God who creates things out of nothing. That is the God that we serve. And we call on and we call Father. This morning I have picked just one of those miracles from the Old Testament. Brothers and sisters, all these miracles are recorded to inspire us. Because we serve the same God of Abraham, the same God of Isaac, the same God of Jacob. That these people we read about in the scriptures are also called on. He is and will continue to be the one and only President and Chief Executive Officer of Miracles Incorporated. He is the only one who creates things out of nothing. He is the God who calls things that are not as though they were. The same God that moved in the lives of all these people, the same God that moves in Kennedy's life, is the same God that's going to move and is moving in our own lives. As children of God, we have this power at our disposal. So this morning, I want to talk about the miracle of the pattern of the Red Sea. We find the story in Exodus chapters 13 and 14. And a lot of us are very familiar with this story. The children of Israel were in slavery in Egypt for over 400 years. At the height of the oppression, Moses is born. And so much so that he's raised in the palace. You know, these guys were raising the deliverer under their noses. And they had no idea what was about to happen. What are the odds of that? But you see, again, when it comes to God, he controls all the odds. He wrote the book on the odds. After performing ten plagues, Pharaoh finally relents and lets the Israelites go. I think he should have obeyed the first time and saved himself a lot of trouble. But you know how it is as human beings sometimes. We get very stubborn, we get very proud. And we are told in Exodus chapter, chapter 13 verse 17 that when they left Egypt, there was a shorter route to the promised land. But God did not take them through the shorter route because it was through Philistine country. And so instead, God led them in a southerly direction towards the Red Sea. And so let's pick up the reading in Exodus chapter 13, beginning verse 21. Again, I encourage you to go read it in your spare time because of time I can't go through all this. The Egyptians are coming after the Israelites and the Red Sea is in front of them and they're, they're literally between a rock and a hard place. But it tells us that by day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people signifying that God was always present with them. Again, Pharaoh changes his mind and decides to come after them. Let's pick up the reading in Exodus chapter 14 beginning in verse 13. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all of his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of the Lord who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved in front and stood behind them. 
coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the Lord brought darkness to one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Brothers and sisters, I want to make two quick points. When it comes to miracles, let the record show. Point number one, God determines the times and the places. God determines the times and the places. I want you to notice, God led them to this very spot. Miracles happen in a certain place and time. It was God's spirit that led them here. They were between a rock and a hard place, so to speak. They had no idea where the promised land was or how to even get there. But God led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of cloud by night. The first recorded divine GPS recorded in scripture. Where God's spirit was directing them. I know we get very excited these days. You know, we got GPS on our phones and in our cars. And we thought, wow, wow, look at this technology. It's been here for centuries, okay? God was leading them in this miracle. And they had no idea again where they were going. Now notice what Moses said. He says, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance God will bring you today. He says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. God told Moses to stretch out his hand. And the waters parted. I remember seeing this movie as a, as a six or seven year old back in Lagos, Nigeria where I grew up. It was in black and white. And we were sitting there watching the whole thing with my family. And my grandmother was sitting next to me. And she got very excited. She was like, wow, look at Moses. Look at the sea part. And I said to her, I said, Grandma, it's a movie. That's, that's Charleston Heston. That's not Moses. She goes, be quiet. That's Moses. I said, okay. And I left it alone. But I remember watching this. And then obviously many years later, uh, Disney did uh, The Prince of Egypt. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful movie, by the way. And, and so I, I love this story. Because it shows us the power of God. Brothers and sisters, the challenges we have in our lives right now are not by accident. God has us exactly where He wants us. This is when He does what He does best. And so, God is saying to you, whatever is going on in your life right now, whatever miracle you want, God is saying, don't sweat it. I got this. I got you. Trust me. I'm going to come through. I'm going to come through for you. I'm going to do what I do best. I remember two, about two years ago, our church in Nairobi, Kenya, they were appointing elders. And so they called and, and wanted my wife and I to be a part of it. And I texted them back immediately and saying, you know, we're, we're broke. We don't have any money. And so we can't come. And Sarah said, um, you know, we need to find a way and, 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 you know, to, to, to find the money so we can go. And I said, you know, I'm tired of begging. And Sarah goes, perhaps that's what God is still trying to teach you. To humble yourself. And so I picked up the phone and, uh, and I literally started to beg. I called some of my classmates that I, I grew up with, we went to college together and went to elementary school. I said that no amount is too small and they started sending money, 200 here, 300 there, 500 there. And before I know it, I had about a thousand dollars left. And one night I'm going to bed and I get this email from a gentleman I had loaned money to in Nairobi 21 years prior. And uh, I had loaned him money. And he said, when I get to my station, I'll send it back to you. And I never heard from him again. But anyway, I, I, I emailed him back, put my phone number on there. 
And a few days later, he called me. And so we're talking. And he goes, do you remember that, that $300 you, you lent me? You lent me? I said, I thought it was two. He said, no, it was three. And I prayed instantly. I said, God, I pray it would, it would, it would give me $1,000 so I can make up the, uh, the, the price for the plane tickets. And he goes, guess what? I feel so bad. I've been, I've been, I've been looking for you all these years. And uh, how about I send you a check for $1,000 and we call it even? I share that story because when I needed the money, God was right there. When I needed the miracle, it happened. And God came through for us. Obviously, we were able to go and, and witness uh, the apartment of the elders and, um, and the teachers back in Nairobi Church. Now, before I go on to my second point, brothers and sisters, they are also, the Bible also talks about false prophets and false miracles and counterfeit miracles. In our world today, there are many people who are advertising and saying, hey, I can do this and I'm doing this and they're using the name of God. You need to open up your eyes. The Bible tells us that there's going to be a lot of false prophets. A lot of fake pastors. Don't be fooled. Read your Bible. Okay? God never advertises His miracles in advance like some of these fake preachers do. Okay? They will tell you to put your hand on the television. They will tell you to order some handkerchief. Don't do it. Don't waste your money. Okay? God still performs miracles. I'm living proof of it. I was diagnosed with aggressive prostate cancer many years ago. And right here, as I'm standing here... My PSA is still 0, 0.0. Okay? I didn't go to any crusade. I didn't go for any deliverance. Yes, people were praying for me and God healed me through modern medicine. And I praise God for that. Remember, the Bible says that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. So don't be fooled by all these fake preachers. My second point very quickly. When it comes to miracles, point number two, let the record show faith makes miracles happen. Faith makes miracles happen. There are two occasions in the Bible where we are told that Jesus was amazed. In Mark chapter 5, beginning verse 5, Jesus had gone to his hometown and Jesus said to them, you know, only in his own hometown and among his own people is a prophet without honor. And he says here, in Mark chapter 5, excuse me, Mark chapter 6, beginning verse 5, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them and he was amazed at their lack of faith. Brothers and sisters, God will limit himself and not do miracles in your life if you don't believe he has, the, he has the power to fix your situation. Doubt and unbelief will limit your miracles. And so, I'm asking you this morning, what do you want God to do in your life? Do you really believe God will come through for you in his own time? You know, last weekend, I got a text message that uh, a dear brother and fellow evangelist in the Lagos church uh, was in hospital and that uh, we should be praying for him and so you know people were praying all over Nigeria all over the world and uh, a few hours later I got a phone call saying he's passed on we were praying for a miracle for God to heal him and for God to nurse him back to health God said no God says you know what my servant's job is done on this earth and God decided to take him wonderful wonderful preacher tremendous man of God I'm going to miss him but I know he's gone to a much better place and so sometimes God will tell us no, even when we pray for stuff. You see, the second time also, Jesus was amazed, was as a result of someone's faith. And we'll find that account in Luke chapter 7. As a matter of fact, the man was a Roman centurion. He was not even a Jew. The man said, just say the word and my servant will be healed. And the Bible tells us in verse 9 that Jesus was astonished by the faith of this centurion. 
Because the man understood what power and authority is. He says, you know what? I understand what authority is. I tell a soldier, go. And he goes. I tell this one, come. And he comes. He says, you don't have to come under my roof. Just say a word and my servant will be healed. Again, here's a man who is not even a Jew. And he knew Jesus had the power to heal his servant. Even from a distance. You see, brothers and sisters, God does not have to come to your house or to your apartment to do his miracle in your life. He can do it way from heaven. He can do it way from that distance. The God we serve has authority and on earth to make things happen. And so I'm asking you this morning, do you have the faith, do you have the kind of faith that amazes Jesus? Get into your Bible. You say, Richard, I want this kind of faith. Then I, I, I encourage you today to get into your Bible. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing the word and, and that is heard through the word of Christ. You got to get into your Bible. Excuse me. The more you read your Bible, the more your faith increases. Is it, do you want your children to fall deeply in love with God? Is that, what the, is that the miracle you've been praying for? Do, do, do you have a son or a daughter who used to be a Christian and now they're no longer in love with God and you want them to come back? Is that the miracle that you're praying for? Are you praying for a healing of a, of a health challenge? Are you wanting to start your own business? Are you, are you praying for a promotion? Do you want God to do great things in your life? I don't know what your miracle prayer point is. But all I'm saying is, Genesis 18 tells me, is anything too hard for God? You have been assigned this life because you are strong enough to live it. God hasn't made a mistake in your life. If anything, He wants to do a mighty miracle so that you can tell other people about it. Every miracle in the Bible that you and I read about came as a result of a problem. Again, we're familiar with the story in Mark chapter 9. Where Jesus had gone up to a mountain to pray with Peter, James, and John, and he was transfigured up there. But when they came back, this man had brought his demon possessed son to the other apostles left behind for healing, and they couldn't do it. And the, 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 the man's father said, But if you can do anything, take pity on us in Mark chapter 9, verse 22. If you can, everything is possible to him who believes, Jesus said. The father immediately said, You know, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Later on in that story, Jesus tells his apostles that certain miracles can only happen by prayer and fasting. Brothers and sisters, God wants to do miracles in our lives. Okay? Matthew chapter 9 verse 27. Two blind men followed Jesus. And Jesus asked them, do you believe I am able to do this? They replied, yes Lord. And Jesus says, according to your faith will it be done. God does not perform all his miracles in one day, praise God. He staggers them throughout the course of our lives. Amen? Doubt and unconfessed sin will derail your miracles. Let me say that again. Doubt and unconfessed sin will derail miracles happening in your life. Why? Because God is a holy God. Okay? God will not be mocked. A man reaps what he sows, he says in Galatians 6. You can't expect to shack up with the devil and expect God to pay the rent. It doesn't work that way. And so I want to encourage you, whatever it is that you're hiding, confess it, get help, repent of it, and it's time to move on. Okay? Keep praying and your miracle is going to happen. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And so, brothers and sisters, I'm appealing to you this morning, don't quit before your miracle happens. Okay? God is saying, I've heard your prayers. Now trust my timing. 
we went for that trip to Nairobi two years ago and we came back and uh, we were heading to Nigeria for their 30th anniversary service and so they called and said um, uh, money's tight and uh, they were going to fly only me down for the, for the, for the, uh, for the uh, anniversary and so I called them back and I said it's okay I said if you guys don't have the money that's fine I said uh, at this stage in my life if Sarah doesn't come with me you know it's okay I, I, I'll, just, I'll just sit here and mind my own business so a few days later they called back and said you know we got the money both of you can come while I was there we always stayed with one of their elders in their guest room downstairs I got up one morning and I was taking a shower and I was electrocuted 240 volts of electricity going through my body for about 40 seconds I was screaming for my life I was screaming for my life Satan came in uh, excuse me Satan ran into the room into the bathroom excuse me and uh, I said to him, I said, don't touch me, don't touch me, I'm being electrocuted. You know, the thing was, the uh, shower head was stuck in my hand. And I was screaming like this. And uh, she opened up the glass door and she grabbed the towel and she was trying to lift the stuff out of my hand. But she couldn't do it. And so I said to her, I said, the water heater, the water heater, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. So she went back into the room, turned the water heater off, nothing. I'm still screaming, I'm screaming. And then I looked down and I saw the shower head at the bottom and the water still coming out. And I used my right elbow to shut the water faucet off and that's when Sarah was now able to now do this one by one she said she was going to break my fingers and be able to lift uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the faucet out of my hand and I, it was as if I had been magnetized against something and I, and, I went, and I went this way and I go not today devil not today Satan not today Satan Sarah was shaking she was literally trembling I towed myself off and I went back into the room and I sat there and I went, I can't believe I just survived that. And everybody I've told the story to were like, that was a miracle. You are not meant to be here. We've never heard of anybody surviving that. Apparently it happens a lot. And I share that to say, you know what, I'm still here because God came through for me that day. And I have, I have since gone back into that same bathroom uh, I don't turn the, the faucet on anymore. And get this, they didn't find anything wrong with the, with the wiring or nothing. Satan was trying to take me out, but God said, no way. And that's why I'm still here. That's my miracle story. You see, we serve a mighty God who wants to do incredible things in our lives. There's a song I love that we sing a lot around here called Heart Fighting Soldier. One of the lines goes, you know, Jesus is my captain and he fights my battle still. He has never lost a battle and I know he never will. You know, and I'm saying all this to say God hasn't brought you this far to simply abandon you now. You got to hang in there. Your miracle is coming. I want to give us an assignment as a church. In the next three days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I want you to thank God for all the incredible miracles he's done in your life. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I want us to do it as a church. Don't ask for anything. Okay, in those three days. God's word also says, you know what? I know what you need before you even ask. And so, don't get me wrong. You know, God will, God will bless us. But let's just spend the next three days thanking Him for the incredible blessings and miracles He's read about in our lives. You see, I have staked my life that God exists and that one day I'm going to stand before Him and give an account. I know many of you are studying the Bible 
and some of you are visiting this morning, I'm going to say this to you. God is real. There is a God who spoke this universe into existence. If I am wrong about God, then I would have wasted my life. But if you are wrong about God, you will forfeit your eternity. And so I'm imploring you, I'm, 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 I'm begging you to get to know this miracle working God. In conclusion, we serve a mighty God who's been doing his miracles forever. He allowed his son to come into this world to die for our sins. At this point in our service, we're going to partake of communion, which is meant to remind us of this incredible miracle of Jesus dying for us on the cross and being raised back to life on the third day. I hope this has been encouraging. Let us pray. Our God who is in heaven, thank you so much, Father, for waking us up this morning. Thank you so much, Father, for all the miracles you've done in our life. Father, forgive us for the times when we've doubted you. Forgive us, Father, for the times when we've not believed in you. Father, you are the miracle-working God. We thank you for Jesus who came into this world to die for our sins. Lord, we look forward to spending eternity with you. We look forward to seeing you face to face one day. Until then, continue to transform us into the image of your son Jesus. Continue to help us to tell others about all the miracles that you have brought about in our lives. Father, we love you. We thank you. And we pray all this in the precious and mighty name of your son Jesus. Amen. <music>